Hi, and welcome to the Production Values Podcast uh, with Liam and Tim. This month, we have the amazing Lucinda Potter, who taught me a lot when I first started doing sound. And uh, we've referenced her a few times in earlier episodes. Um, so I was really happy to get her in on the microphone and uh, telling us some stories and some of her experience of working in as a freelance sound engineer. Um, it was such a good conversation, actually, that it, it went on for about two hours. So in order to save your data plans, because we're such nice people at PVP, um, I've decided to cut this uh, episode into two bits. Um, so the first episode will come out today, Tuesday the 16th of May, which is maybe a day late. Um, and the second episode will probably go out relatively soon afterwards. Um, so uh, as long as you're subscribing and stuff, you should be get, able to get both episodes really, really easily. Um, I hope you enjoy it. It's a really, really fun episode. Really, really great. Um, and uh, I'll leave you to it. Um, this is the Production Value Podcast, episode four, starting right now with Lucinda Potter. Enjoy. Bye. Standby opening reveal sequence. Standby stage management for artist entry stage left. Standby VTQ2. Standby switching preset 14. Standby LXQ 1.2. Standby sound cue 48, followed by walk up sting 3. Opening reveal sequence, go. So, my day yesterday was I was in, uh, I was in one of my venues and um, <laughs> loading was at four. Bands yeah. coming up from London, one had flown over from Denmark. Mm-hmm. And obviously, getting from London up to Manchester. Satnav says it takes four hours. <laughs> when does it ever take four hours? <laughs> exactly. Um, if you leave at half nine in the morning, you sort of miss rush hour. You sort of miss that lunchtime rush around Birmingham as well. And you sort of get into Manchester for maybe two o'clock in the afternoon. You have a couple of hours, you're cool. But if you leave at midday, no way you get in here for four o'clock. Anyway, um, so they get in. Um, they're due at four. They don't get in until six. The support band equally are stuck in traffic, major traffic. <laughs> um, they don't get there till seven. Both engineers have pen drives, but they've been saved from the shows the night before. So obviously the patching is all squiff. Um, yeah. And even though the bands are similar setups, they the channel lists themselves, the, the actual input list is all in sort of a wrong, a different order to each other. Yeah. So it just means a bit of an internal, like a bit of a soft patch and whatever, fine. Mm. But then it was literally the routing from the other desk the night before. So I had to like move it all around and I was like, oh my God. Anyway, so we had all of this kind of stuff and changeovers went really quickly. But mm. because as soon as, you know, as soon as you start doing something at work, so like, if you're like, oh, I'm just going to pop across the road to buy a can of Coke or I'm just going to pop out to do something or, you know, whatever. As soon as you go to it, you've been stood in the venue for two hours. Mm -hmm. As soon as you go to do something, the band arrives. Yeah. I basically had just sat down and I was like, do you know what? While I've got five minutes, I'm just going to eat my dinner. So this was about five to six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just about to eat it, like just about to take the first bite. And I hear them coming upstairs. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll put dinner down. That's fine. But then... Had no time for the rest of the night. <laughs> Forgot yeah. how hot the venues get. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah. though our aircon's on, even though we're doing everything we can, it's yeah. so hot, so sweaty, <laughs> so everything. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I've had like five pints of water by ten o'clock. 
but I've not had any food since uh, like lunchtime. Yeah. So not only that, plus the heat, plus it was like a bit of a groggy day and whatever. Mm. Hay fever was acting up. I was just, I was beside myself. So anyway, so I ended up giving myself a headache. Even though I'd had loads of water, I just hadn't had the food yeah. to base my stomach. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Awesome. so there we go. <laughs> yeah. But then at least, you know, I got to watch some really cool bands, which was great. That was good. Yeah. Well, which venue was it? Uh, this was in Gulliver's in the uh, Northern Quarter. Ah, uh, beautiful. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Have we started? We have. That's why I was gonna. That's why I started being slightly more (laughs) (laughs) accurate with my definition. We're we're very slick at production values. Very sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear hear yourself? Um, I can. If I, if I, do you know what I'm gonna do? Yeah. I'm just gonna do this a little bit. I could, I could do with a little bit more of you, Tim. A little bit more of me. I think. You still said anything yet? Uh, which one am I? I'm on that one. How's that? Sounds, sounds great. That's that's all right. Cool. Oh, now I want a bit more of me. Oh, oh no! Oh no! I'm the oh, worst. Oh wait! Oh wait! There there's go. loads that's of room. There's loads of ambience in my mic. Yeah. Can oh. we take it out? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just inserted some air over this channel. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, can I have less banter in my uh, monitor, please? Yeah. I'm not sure that we're going to be full of banter today. No, we're, we're, I'm I'm quite unwell at the moment. Um, I'm just tired. Tim's just tired. Tim's le- legit okay to be tired because he was working until quite late last night not really i'm just weak well yeah okay <laughs> well no so tim is a weakling i'm ill and i went to a punk gig last night and yeah. had, a, had a lot of fun and broke my glasses so um so there was that didn't know that part oh that yeah, yeah, great. yeah. Bit oh, of tape on your glasses there poindexter yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, literally that... literally went around to the uh, i was like oh shit i need i need some tape i need some tape who's gonna have tape in this venue I know. So I went to the sound desk and stole someone else's tape. Uh, quick question. Why didn't you have any in your pocket? Um, because um, I was wearing skinny jeans and I I don't know. I don't know. No, I Unacceptable! <laughs> I think that's definitely a, definitely a sound fail. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, even when you're not working, me. you definitely need to have tape in your pocket. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean... I'm, I'm, I know. I felt really, I felt really yeah. annoyed by it. Um, it's like the emergency sharpie. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even have a sharpie with me. I, I went was... on a Hindu in Paris. Right. Hindu <laughs> in Paris. Excellent. Found two rolls of PVA, PVC tape in my bag, and two sharpies. One on a lanyard with a drum key. Amazing. <laughs> and the other one, it was just. Well, I had, my, I had my drum key with me. Ob- obviously. Yeah, because you need to my that keys. at a gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like, oh no, 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 no! Your kick pedals come off, mate. Let me just saw that for you, mate. It's all right. I've got a drum key. <laughs> uh, does anyone in the van you have a drum key? <laughs> <laughs> that one Five time hands now. Go off <laughs> and it's just like, are you all sound engineers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because drummers never carry drum keys, obviously. No. no. No, 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 not at all. Um, well, hi, Lucinda. Hi, yeah. Welcome well, to our podcast. Thanks. Um, Excited to be here. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to do this? Do you wanna... No, I think that was perfectly acceptable. All right, I think cool. you did a good enough job there. <laughs> all right. If you really want me to, then I, can. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Know. Um, welcome to the Production Values Podcast. Welcome to the there Production Values Podcast uh, with uh, Liam and Tim. And today, our special guest is Lucinda Potter of uh, Manchester fame and um, who we've referenced a couple of times over the course of this podcast we finally got her in and um, yeah she taught she taught me everything that I know not strictly true but I'll take it yeah and just uh, the good bits yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah so she's you know she's not just a sound engineer she's a badass Brazilian jiu-jitsu protection practitioner um, 
so don't mess with her. Uh, Do you know this to be a fact? I, I know this. To, I know this. To, you. I know. I know this to be a fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She put me in a flying armbar when I uh, when I put reverb in the monitor. It was really bad. Okay, I'm going to move towards you slightly. In the <laughs> so, uh, Lucinda, mm. who are you? Um, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I feel like I'm on blind date. Um, blind <laughs> date. Um, my name's Lucinda. Uh, I'm a sound engineer. I work in a couple of Manchester music venues. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working uh, working as a, a, a freelancer full time, I suppose, for six, almost seven years, maybe oh, cool. something like that. Um, little while now. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, I've been in venues. I've done a bit of touring. Um, done a bit of festivals done a bit of general production or stage management and all this kind of thing so basically my job mostly entails talking to people make sure everyone knows where they're at and um and then getting to mix them sweet by the end of it so um so yeah i've kind of done quite a lot of different aspects of it just purely from going right what needs to be done and why does it need to be done and fine okay in fact forget the why i'm just gonna do it and then you can tell me later so yeah um, that's sort of what I do. Sweet. Cool. So after you actually started within this industry, um, how have you built yourself up to to where you are now? Um, like from including uni or not? Yeah, let's go for uni. Okay. Uh, so I went to uni. I get asked quite a lot if if it's worth it, and mm. my answer is always, uni is great because it gives you the knowledge behind why you are doing things. Yeah. yeah. So whenever shadows come in, because uh, we I uh, I have a lot of shadows over certain periods of time, obviously the, the busier times, if I'm in the venues, I can get shadows in. If I'm out doing various other bits and bobs elsewhere, then I, I can't have shadows. Mm-hmm. But whenever I can, I try and get them in. And then they're always like, oh, well, you know, I go to uni and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, uni's great, but you can learn so much just by application. So you don't, I don't, anyone who says to me, I'm not sure about uni, I'd go, that's cool. You don't have to go to uni in order to do sound, but make sure you do your research. So things like why you're doing things. So you can follow, follow by example, really, if you're shadowing someone and you can go, oh, there's a DI box on that guitar or, oh, that's just, you just plug that into the, to a vocal mic. But, you might not know why you don't need a DI for a vocal mic or you might not know why you're using a DI box for mm-hmm. an acoustic guitar or you might have, say, a vocal pedal and then it might be like, oh, no, but I don't. you don't need a DI box because it's a vocal, but you do because it's got a vocal pedal, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the little kind of tweaks of why you're doing things is really useful to learn at uni because you, you actually learn the reasons behind doing things. Whereas you get the practical and you get the very, cause a live engineer is literally, you're just on all the time. Mm-hmm. So you're in a venue, you're doing something, you might get, you know, 10, 15 minutes to kind of, to, to chill out, so to speak, whilst mm-hmm. you're mixing. But 
then you've got a changeover, which may or may not be 10 minutes uh, or two minutes, depending on who's put the time slots in. You know, you might actually get a nice changeover, which is half an hour or 20 minutes. So you get, you know, you get your 10 minutes, you get everyone off stage, get everyone on stage, stage looks really pretty. And then the band get a chance to kind of go off for five minutes before they go on. Everyone's chilled, everyone's calm, everyone's great. So you get, you get kind of the really nice changeovers, but nine times out of ten they're not great changeovers mm -hmm. they're literally you've got to do everything 10 minutes ago at 50 mile an hour and you don't get experience of doing that at uni yeah. because mm -hmm. it's a very controlled circumstance it's a very controlled area mm. and ultimately the university is kind of acting as a bit of a as a, as a bit of a bubble wrap really mm. and then you go out onto a venue and you're like okay, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. Why mm. doesn't that work? Oh, wait. Like, and then you've realised that either a channel passed wrong or like things yeah. have been patched in the wrong mm. place or something's going in input or an output or there's feedback and you have no idea where it's coming from. Yeah. And you just kind of, you only learn how to be a sound engineer on the field. Yeah. Like you can't, you can, you can learn to an extent Mm. in a university in a controlled setting mm. in whether it be a college or school or uni or some form of you know establishment you can learn to a point but you don't become an engineer it's like driving mm. you, yeah. can, you can pass your driving test but you're not you're not really a driver you don't you don't learn how to drive until you've passed your test yeah you get taught how to pass the test exactly and then you learn to drive afterwards exactly yeah, so i've never it's... really learned how to drive i passed my <laughs> test and haven't driven in about five six years yeah like um they were tube were trying to get me to um learn how to drive the van to help out for manchester day parade um last year and um one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Just being like, this is too big. I don't want to drive this. But do you know what's brilliant? You probably just look like you were in a normal car. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, for listeners uh, at home, um, I'm quite tall, just so people can understand that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. I love driving a van. Yeah. I really, really enjoy driving I really vans. enjoy driving yeah, vans. Yeah. It's great fun. So um, were you on a, a full-time course? I you? was, yes. I was at Salford Uni. So okay. I did popular music and recording at Salford Uni. Mm -hmm. um, graduated. Uh, I see people ask me when I graduated and I really don't know years at all. Yeah. I really don't. It must have been like... I've been in Manchester 11 years this year and my course was four years. Uh -huh. So... One would presume it was about 2012, maybe 2013. Did um, did you find that you had time outside of studying to start shadowing or, or getting experience of working in venues while you were studying? Um, well, luckily enough, there was quite a lot of um, there was there was quite a lot of shadowing experiences that you could do at uni like you had to actively go out and do live recordings you had to actively go out and do um different recordings in different settings yeah um equally i was in bands as well because mm -hmm. it was i very much did a split even though i've come out of it with a popular music and recording degree mm -hmm. aka i did popular musicology and i did recording as my two uh, majors uh, other people did say composition and arranging as their majors, but they've still got a popular music and de recording degree. Mm. Mm. Um, so even though my degree is popular music and recording, strictly, I was in bands as well, performance bands. Mm. So we did a lot of that kind of thing as well. So not only was it useful for me to be 
running around doing um, bits and bobs like I would volunteer to help with the performance exams so yeah. I would kind of go over and say do you need anything doing or do you need a pair of hands so if I wasn't performing mm-hmm. then it would be like oh what could I do and you know that really annoying person in the corner yeah. just trying to help and get kind of experience in but um, but having that other side of it as well it's it helps a lot even though even if you're not doing loads and loads of live sound stuff being on stage you know how things look and how things feel and how things should feel so it's almost like a subconscious thing um so with me at uni i i was really lucky i I didn't really sleep much at uni (laughs) and i didn't really do i don't really know what i did at uni other than i was very much a social butterfly um and i suppose I, i suppose there was a lot of elements to it, but I did, I just made sure I did everything. Yeah. Whether it be doing sound stuff or being on stage performing stuff and then sort of just helping with stage Mm -hmm. changeovers or turnarounds and and things like that. So I've sort of, I think I did it vicariously Mm -hmm. without actually necessarily 100% going, right, I'm going to go shadow you or right, I'm going to go do this. I just went, right guys, I'm here for a festival. What do you need me to do? And I think I probably learned more as a runner mm-hmm. because I'd be going right blah, 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 what do you need me doing and then they the engineers could do their jobs and then I could ask them questions mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of utilizing them going oh why am I plugging this here or whatever because I was getting that why am I plugging it in at uni yeah but I was getting the other skill set mm. while I was out helping other people and doing other things sure. so I think it it actually worked out quite nicely good what did you do in a band um uh, a few things actually. I've been in a few bands doing a few things, uh, but but vocals are my primary sure. instrument. Yeah, um, I was in a Michael Jackson tribute band for a couple nice. of years. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so for that, I was BVMD, uh, which is a backing vocal musical director, <laughs> which basically means that I was in charge of the vocals on stage. Yeah. So I took it upon myself to make sure everyone was warmed up before we went on. Um, doing like all the harmonies any harmonies that were on stage anyone who had a microphone I'd like scored out all of these um, different sets of like harmonies oh well if there's if all of us are doing it we'll do this but if whatever we're not doing that maybe we'll do something else or okay well you sing in this bit or that guitar part's really complicated so forget about that don't worry about it just sing the tune so it was a little bit of tweaking and, and basically just chord chord transcribing yeah, and stuff sure. so was it um prior to university was it uh the band that got you into wanting to to study i mean i say this now and then i think about it and i go why why um when i was 16 not even that maybe 15 um i wanted to be the next john feldman mm-hmm. because i loved everything that he did um and then i realized that he wasn't that great so i was like Right, I'm going to be a better John Feldman. <laughs> Great, brilliant. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like I still love loads of stuff that he's worked on. Yeah. But I think my eyes opened after a little while, like Mike Patton. Mm. Love Mike Patton. So I think it went from, so I think maybe John Feldman was maybe a door to walk through and then it opened up all of these other sort of areas of, of, yeah. of people and especially Mike Patton, like vocally, um, production wise kind of musically and, and everything the kind of the, the guy does is 
it's it's just even if you don't like it, it's just really great, and you can kind of see the skill in each of it, even if mm-hmm. you're not necessarily a fan. So um, so yeah, so I wanted I went to uni wanting to be a studio producer because yeah. I wanted to get the best out of a band. I wanted to be, make them the best that they could possibly be. And then I went to uni and it sort of changed a little bit. And then I went, oh yeah, studio's great. But I also really like performing. And at that time when I was sort of doing my GCSEs, I didn't really think I was very good as a performer. And I didn't really feel like I should do it because I wasn't that good. But mm. then my singing teacher was amazing and she was just, she just gave me all of this power that I uh-huh. could just, just just not necessarily even physical part, but just support and and just made me believe that actually she wouldn't tell me because she was kind of harsh. There were a lot of people that were scared of her. But if you kind of took it, if she knew that you took it seriously, mm-hmm. just the smallest compliment from her meant the absolute world. Yeah. So it just, I had the utmost respect for her. I still do. And she's amazing. She's just brilliant. And because of that, I then started believing in myself as a vocalist, which is why I then got on stage more, which is Mm. why then I had, because I was more confident with myself vocally, I became more confident with myself, um, sort of like, not physically, but with what I was capable of Mm. doing, Mm. which then in turn made me go, no, I could be an awesome sound engineer. I could be this, I could Mm. be this. And it, it almost changed my entire mindset to actually, no, don't worry about asking questions. Don't worry Mm. about getting involved. Just do it. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. Like Mm. what, what's going to happen? Nothing. Why is nothing going to happen? Because I'm not responsible for that, but one day I will be, and I will know what I need to do and what I don't need to do because Mm. I'll have learned it. And that's the whole process of learning is that you get things wrong and you trial by error and, and you learn quicker. (laughs) Something goes wrong. You know, not to do that again. (laughs) It's it's just, especially if you've got a system screaming at you, like, Oh, I'm not going to press that button again. (laughs) Definitely not. So yeah. So it was, it was actually me going to uni wanting to be a studio producer that then kind of excelled me to being a vocalist and a, a sound engineer and a, and a performer and all these kind yeah. of things. And then I came out of uni and I was working in a bar and this particular, sorry, pub and this particular pub, we had a venue, but we weren't necessarily, like the gear wasn't really being looked after. There wasn't really a house engineer. They just kind of were pitting on gigs and going, oh, we've got some stuff, but then things were getting broken because there was no real regular Yeah. yeah kind of um well just there was no regular checks there was no regular maintenance there was no one to supervise to look after the venue to make sure that it wasn't being mistreated um so i just kind of said to to management well i'm a sound engineer uh or I, i i would like to think that i sort of am um it makes sense if I kind of take it on. Mate, why don't we do it on like a three-month kind of basis in that if I kind of take it on, we'll see how we go. If you like the results of it and if I like working with it, then should we, we'll just kind of see how it goes. And that was seven years ago. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's really cool that that's sort of how it's happened. But it, it was almost a lucky accident. Mm. But that's my ba- my entire base is, has gone from being studio for however long for like years and then came out of uni and then switched to probably 90 it was probably like 80 percent live 20 percent studio Mm -hmm. and just over time i'm now like fully studio uh, sorry fully live and i barely i'm barely in the studio Uh so um 
so yeah it's fun i much prefer live though yeah yeah, yeah. i can't sit at a computer yeah. doing <laughs> no, it's, mixes it's, i just it's really it's so different yeah it's so different no it's very similar to me like um because yeah i i remember going into uni thinking yeah i'm gonna be the next steve albini or i'm gonna be i'm gonna be this amazing producer and gonna work with bands to make them like make them sound great and now i'm just like oh man <laughs> studio bores the shit out of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is it's and it, crazy and that's but that's fine like that's the thing i think if it, it depends i think I've, if i'm working with a band that's really exciting then yeah it, it'll be fine but there's something about yeah getting in you know have never having enough time and then just going for it. It's yeah. just really, really fun. That complete uh, adrenaline rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go. And then and then seeing the instant reaction to a good band playing a good song and through a nice system and then seeing the reaction of the crowd really enjoying it. Um, sorry, I went off mic slightly there. It's all right. Um, <laughs> I, I was getting kind of overexcited, so it wasn't wasn't very much in the uh, in the critical area. But um, yeah, no, it's yeah, that that stuff is is amazing. Yeah. That's, that's why I love it. That's why I love doing it. Mm-hmm. How, uh, well, do you still remember the first time that you called yourself a, a sound engineer? And do you remember how long it took you to to go, yeah, I'm a sound engineer? Um, yeah. I, I, purely because <laughs> I, it, it's, it took me a long time to have the confidence to say, yeah, I'm a sound technician. That's what it should say on my yeah. business card. Well, the, um, the well, well, there was a... It was a long time after. I mean, I know I said, I went to work and said, oh, I'm a sound engineer, let's do it. But I, I mean, I didn't. They said, oh, well, Luce, you're, uh, you know, you've just done it. Do you want to, do you fancy doing it? And I've gone, yeah, okay, cool. I mean, I don't know if I'm any good. Mm. Um, so I didn't strictly say I'm a sound engineer straight off the bat. Um, it was probably, I, it was probably when I had, I re- I was probably six months after, maybe even the year after I started mm-hmm. in the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, castles uh, are in Manchester. The castle yeah. hotel, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Which we had sixty six Oldham Street, we, Manchester. I think we referenced in our first episode. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah it's just a little 70, 70 80 capacity venue. Mm. Um, yeah, nice. Uh, got a Martin system, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a really nice like wooden it wooden room, and it's it does uh, that for especially for acoustic acts can sound stunning. It does. It, it just sings so, so nice, and the ceiling it's got a high ceiling as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. fair enough, there's glass in the ceiling, but let's ignore that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> um, rattles when you turn the sub up too much. <laughs> every once in a while, uh, I think that's uh, yeah, that's might be some of the uh, the light shades as well. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, the, I think it was probably probably in the first year of working in the castle it did take a while for me to say that I'm a sound engineer but because I was working on the bar as well initially all right okay. so I was half and half I don't think I I actually called myself a sound engineer until I was full time yeah because I was doing it every night of the week and I was like no I'm a sound engineer now I'm not and mm-hmm. for a, for a long time it, I said that I was bar I worked in the castle mm-hmm. and I would always mean on the bar yeah. Even though I was spending more <laughs> yeah. time in the venues, yeah. I would still see myself as a barmaid. I would still see myself as as being behind a bar. And it would be, I probably took a, 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 about a year of being constantly in the back room for gigs, especially when we got really busy because we started getting crazy busy. And I was working 
what felt like 10 days a week. It was just, it was just ridiculous. Um, and I just, I couldn't do it all on my own. But then that's when I realised mm. that actually the castle had gone from being a very small venue where we would only have shows, say, twice a week, if that, mm-hmm. to being a venue where actually those twice a week shows had gone, oh, we played in the castle, it was great. Or, mm. oh, actually, they were punters, they've come in and gone, oh, it sounds great in here, let's do a show here. Mm. And slowly over time, it became more and more popular. And that's how I met Liam, mm. just on a show and him coming up to me after a beer or two going, can I, is it really, like, I really like sound, sounds great. Can can I come in and can can we do stuff? I was my, like, yeah. My brilliant. professionalism has never dipped. <laughs> I was going to say that's probably the most accurate impression of oh, you. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but I mean, but that that to me actually was probably a coining moment as well because yeah, it was yeah. someone coming to me saying, "This sounds great." Mm-hmm. Mm. And by and that proxy, that was the old system. That was before the Martin system, I think, as well. It was. Oh wait, no, no, it wasn't. It was, no, it was before. And it, it was, was just after. No, no, it was. You just got the LS9 because I think that was yeah. what it was like. Oh, digital desk. Yeah. I know what that is. Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm at uni, don't you know? I'm at uni. Um, oh, please give me a job. <laughs> but yeah, so it was. Uh, but I think that was that was a big turning point for me as well because it meant that I'd gone from being bar staff to a, a trained and trained technically sound engineer but again with the application being in the in the process of actually mm. doing it with with practice um to someone coming up and going this sounds really great by proxy it's my job mm. to make it sound good so if it sounds good i've done a good job which mm. means i'm actually an engineer like i can feel good about this because mm. someone's come up and said this sounds ace mm. and and that's me that's fully on me mm. that so that is is probably a, a good a good pivot point. But was that was that a year after we'd started? Or was it two years in? Do you remember? I remember, Do you remember when it was? Um I remember the first time that I'd been I, I was at the castle and I think it was Laura Stevenson and the Cans and that was amazing. I I remember that was the old system with, with um the speakers like on the balcony behind yeah. the stage. Yeah. Um So we basically moved the system yeah, essentially. Moved, yeah, so yeah, yeah. we had a little bit of a reshuffle, but it was when when we started, it was set up in one way, and then mm. probably about a year later, we we moved it because mm. I was like, uh, "Can we move it?" Yeah. <laughs> I have a better idea. Yeah, <laughs> but like, um, and that was the old system, and that still sounded really, really good. And yeah. I was really impressed by that, and was like, "Oh wow, she's really cool. Oh, this is yeah, this is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah." Um, and then it wasn't until a little bit later, when I think, oh yeah, I think it was a different, like maybe it was like a small acoustic show or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I was like this is ace this is yeah i ah oh, i think i remember i actually you know what i think it was one of those ones where it was like i think i walked into the walked into the venue for the first time I was like oh it'd be really cool to work here one day mm. and then and then yeah it, and then ended up just chatting and then just being like fuck it like i need to actually say right do you do shadowing because i think i was in my second year of uni right. and we did like a work experience module which was like 40 hours like you only had to get 40 hours which is fuck all like there's nothing you do that in like a week in 40 like, hours over the years anyway, you do that over the, yeah yeah for, it was supposedly 40 hours over like seven weeks oh right so like over uh, a, a term minimum, that's a minimum. easy that's yeah, well yeah, yeah, easy yeah. and like people I think people still struggled and I was just like yeah no I've done that in like a week <laughs> <laughs> like four days <laughs> want to come in and help me do you want to come in and help me yeah 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 um, and yeah and so um, and that's yeah that's how I started there and mm. then you had um because I think you still had commitments with the MJ show. 
Yeah, probably. Um, and that was the, and that was after I'd shadowed you for about seven, eight months. Mm. Um, and um, then, and that was when I met the owners of the castle. Oh yeah. And you were like, "Well, we're trying. Do you want to come and do some freelance work with us? That'd be really cool." Um, because you weren't necessarily able to commit to every single show and things yeah. were getting busier. And then I think that was that was that was the moment where I think because that's um, the castle then started going up even more. And then at the it same, got a and lot then, really quickly, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it got yeah, really yeah. crazy busy really quick. And then at the same mental. time, um, there was the expansion, mm-hmm. and you opened up uh, the Eagle, mm. um, the Eagle I, Inn, also known as, it was it used to be called the Lampoil. The Lampoil, yeah, 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 which is near Blueprint Studios where like Elbow and stuff have recorded, mm-hmm. and I think it's like Elbow's favorite pub. So you'll see Guy Garvey just like at the eagle pretty mo- most nights um which is great maybe not anymore maybe he's not a family anymore. man now he's a family man now oh, <laughs> i just yeah no he's great um he's lovely and um and then also gulliver's yeah got was taken over by you guys mm-hmm. and um and redone and yeah, yeah no it's it, and that that was kind of amazing for me as a freelancer like first like first foray into working and being like oh wow now I've got three very different sounding venues to mm. work in and practice and learn my craft and I think that's the most important thing like it's quite easy when you're an in-house engineer to get stuck in one venue very and like, settled into and it it's like okay yeah. it's yeah it's different bands and stuff sometimes mm. um but it's the same room you're not necessarily pushing yourself out there but because you get that variation of three very different rooms one which was like a very tall brick brick room one that's like wooden and long um, and with a high ceiling at Gulliver's and then and then the high ceiling small venue with the very small stage at Castle where you have to kind of, there's different different things that you have to learn and practice and yeah. try and figure out. The logistical out. nightmare. Just being like, <laughs> oh, why have you brought, like, why have you brought a f- an 8x10. <laughs> Why have you brought an 8x10 to a room that's literally like, that's literally 80 people? Like, yeah. <laughs> Equally, I should probably add in as well, Gulliver's doesn't have a loading lift in our yeah. venues upstairs, so yeah, you have yeah, to yeah, take yeah. 8x10s up we a very narrow well. stairway. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to load a gig into someone's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I just jump back a little bit here? Yeah. Um, so you were talking about the... Um, the growth of the castle, mm-hmm. and then Liam, you mentioned you guys, you opened guys. up Gulliver's and the Eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, who was that? Was that the the people that own the castle taking over or starting up other venues, or so, was there a group of people that you know? So the castle, um, the castle is sort of the flagship. Um, uh-huh. So X amount of years ago. Um, the current owners of the castle took it over. And then a couple of years later, so there was there was three, well, the sort of five of us, I suppose. Um, so uh, I say five of us. I'm not in this five because I'm not one of the owners. But I sort of, <laughs> I always, sorry, I always backtrack with this because I, I feel like I'm part of the venues. Like I have done yeah. for a long time because it's just it's part of my soul. It's where I began. Mm. So um, so yeah. So there's there's ultimately. There's two owners, and then there's um, there were th- me, Steffi, and Esther who were bar managers. Mm-hmm. So we had the owners and then the managers. And then Steffi and Esther both respectively wanted their own pubs. Yeah. So we then expanded. So you've got 
some of the the some of the owners of the castle mm-hmm. then went in with Esther to buy the eagle mm-hmm. in in Salford, um, and we've had that for five years, and that was just a pub. But next to it, there was a sort of a cottage which used to be the the house of the old landlady. Yeah. So they converted that into a venue. That refurb took a while. Yeah. And, um, uh, so it's a it's a Holtz pub. Mm. So Holtz basically have kind of funded and enabled us to do any refurb and stuff. The same yeah. with the castle. The castle is a Robinson's pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of anything that we do within the pub, we have to get permission from Robinson's. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. And then, um, so the the venue at the Eagle opened two years after we bought the Eagle. Yeah. But then at the same time, around the same time that the Eagle was opening, um, the two of the owners from the castle had also gone in with a pub with Steffi. Uh-huh. So one of the other bar managers. So Steffi then left. That was Gulliver's. Right. And then Gulliver's had a bit of a quick change around, really, because there was already a venue there. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember But that. it needed a bit of a refurb, yeah. and there wasn't a, an in-house PA. It was mm. just um, a guy who would bring in a PA for whatever shows that mm-hmm. they had and whatever. So um, so we had, as I say, a bit of a refurb, and that took a month. And then we literally had Gulliver's and the Eagle open within a month of each other, yeah. as in the venues. <clears throat> so... We, as in me and the engineers, had we went from having one venue between me, Liam, and Ash, mm. uh, who now works at the Bridgewater, yeah. who's um, who's doing really well and great, yeah. and it's just it's awesome. awesome. But he doesn't he doesn't work with us anymore. It's just like Liam doesn't. But um, there's yeah, it was us three, and then it went from having us three in one venue to me having to kind of put engineers in all three venues throughout uh probably when did they open at the end of september so like it was october so it was gig season so they've been booking up for months and all of a sudden i had to go from literally three people in one venue to having three people in three venues Mm -hmm. most nights of the week so it was like what am i gonna do this is amazing um so it was great but yeah it was very it was a very extreme change but obviously yeah so the Two, so the the castle is owned by a couple of people, yeah, and then a couple of those people went in with someone else to buy a, a, a pub. So we're all sister pubs, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's yeah. what I mean when I say we. Yeah. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm not a shareholder in the in the company <laughs> though. So how, how was it having that um, blank canvas to to really kind of create a venue? You know. I mean, obviously, you, you've got a budget constraint, but at the same time, you're looking at a room just going, right, okay, I, I, I can see in my mind how this is going to work and I know what I want to make this work. Do you know what? I didn't even think about it like that at the, at the beginning, at the very beginning, because I always thought about it on a... I'd literally said, oh, why don't we try it for a couple of months? Mm-hmm. So I didn't actually see it as my venue for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is really odd, uh-huh. considering I was in there all the time. Yeah. And it it started to feel like my venue probably two years after because then we got, say, Gulliver's and the Eagle. And so I'd be in spreading myself throughout the three venues. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have phone calls or texts from people going, I was in the castle the other day and you weren't there. Why weren't you there? And I'm like, 
oh, because we've got other yeah. um, somewhere else. And they're like, but, but yeah. why aren't you in the castle? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's, maybe like, uh, so without realising the the castle has been my venue mm. in, in, in everyone's eyes for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Whereas I didn't see that until afterwards when people were then going, well, why aren't you here? Yeah, you should yeah. be here. And I'm like, no, I've got other venues. Like, yeah, but no, that's not the point. The point yeah. is you should be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I didn't ever really see it as my venue mm. because it was already a venue. Whereas yeah. the Eagle, I had a say in what was going in there and how mm. we were setting it up. The same with Gulliver's. So that's more that's more kind of my thing. Like that's, mm. that's what I had control over, I suppose, or more control over. Um, but I mean, it's nice. That I've, I'm very much a, a fan of simple setups. Mm. I mean, because they are quite small, obviously we're not talking about line arrays and, no. and all this kind of separate delays and fills and say balcony fills and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it is nice and simple, but we are overspecced. For the size of the venue, mm -hmm. each of the like we don't have a venue over two hundred capacity. Yeah. Mm. And for a venue of our sizes, irrespective of which one you're talking about, we are overspecced. If you mm. have a venue of the same size in London, I don't think you'll get the same quality. Nice. Or the same sort of I mean, I'm not saying that we have mic choices, but we mm. have sets of mics. Yeah. Mm. And we have extras in case yeah. something else happens or extras in case blah 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 or we have an array of di boxes all right fair enough you know sometimes if bands come in and they want 10 di boxes we're not going to be able to do that <laughs> because we are an 80 capacity venue but there are ways that we can you know providing we know in advance we can yeah. obviously get hold yeah. of it but just on the surface of it if we don't get specs nine times out of ten we've got more than enough to deal with what yeah. people want on stage so that's nice that it's comfortable and it's one thing that I am really proud of because I do get with the managers and the owners, if I say to them, we need this, this is broken or we need to buy this because we don't have whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm. They are very good because they know I'm not going to try and rip them off. Mm. So yeah. I'll go, we need this. Can we sort it out? And they'll go, yeah right do you need how do you want to do it mm -hmm. mm. and and i'm i am really lucky and i re i really appreciate and know that i am and i know that not all venues have that and i know that not not every venue has the luxury of being able to be as freely um not outspoken but as as freely accessible to their management and to you know the the mm. money so mm -hmm. to speak but equally as well all the managers are either in bands themselves mm. or they are very much creative types or they yeah. know people in bands mm. and all this kind of stuff. So they are very much in the industry. So they appreciate yeah. that there is going to need to be a bit of wiggle mm. room here, there and everywhere. So yeah, it is. I'm, I'm really lucky, but I didn't really feel like it was, they were my venues mm. until I kind of got a little bit more involved with it, which is when we had the two new venues. Mm. And then I was like, actually, yeah. This is this is my venue, and with the car, the castle still doesn't really feel like my venue, mm -hmm. which is weird, but it still feels like home. Yeah. So no, it, I, I know I know exactly what you mean. It's crazy. When I've gone when I've gone back there, like very very rare occasions when I've got time, or if um if 
there's a gig that I'm like, oh, that looks really exciting. Let's just go. So even as a punter, there's like, there's times when I go back, I'm like, ah, <laughs> this place. And it's weird. I think it's probably rose-tinted because I know for, full well I've had some horrible shows there. Yeah. Uh, and, and some difficult moments where you've got, you know, the loudest drummer in the world and... A, a very and, quiet and, vocalist. And an asthmatic ant singing through a straw. <laughs> like... On the on the vocal, yeah. Um, then it's not not the easiest. Not ideal. No, it's not the easiest venue. Um, but yeah, there is something like homely about it. Mm. It's quite nice, and it's it's actually I think there's a th- uh, a trend. I do find that actually, like the Castle and the Eagle and Gulliver's are kind of similar. There's like a, there's a certain Manchester feeling that I get from those venues, and also things like the Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. Like I think they all have certain similarities in the fact that they, you know, they were used for something else and then have become yeah. a part of the music scene. So, like, you know, Castle was, like, a games room. And it used to, like, I think they changed the toilets. In yeah, the, the the door at the back of the stage, which is now a cupboard where I keep monitors, yeah. um, that used to be the entrance to the girls' loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so, played a so, venue like that. So whenever, <laughs> yeah, whenever you used to, so before... Before we had another little bit of a refurb in the castle, mm. um, before I took it on as being, you know, the in-house tech, so to mm. speak, um, there were shows in there where you literally had to walk past the band to get to the loo. <laughs> Everyone knew where you were going. And then you'd be like, you'd be weeing really quickly because you want, you didn't want people to think that you were doing anything else. Or like, well, you'd be like, oh, people are paying really attention. Oh, I need to be here really quick. Or you just hold it and wait for the band to finish. And then there'd be like a massive queue, but then you didn't want to be in the queue because it was really obvious that you needed a wee and all this. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Really, really bizarre. It's amazing. I love it. Oh. That's why I don't particularly like night and day because you have to do a similar thing. Yeah. There's Luckily, about... there's like a curtain behind it. Though, yeah, that's but true. you do see the light go every time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's very uh, yeah, 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 not not enjoyable too much. Toilet toilets at venues. Yeah. <laughs> should be a whole other podcast. We're not, we're not going back to the toilet circuit pun here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, again, going back a little bit yeah. before we move on, um, was there? It 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 definitely sounds like. There was always a focus on either, well, definitely a focus on music before you went to university and then being involved in music in another way. Mm. Um, was there ever, ever any option of you going and doing something else or was it really just single focus on if I'm doing something, then it's going to be based musically? Um, as in, in my head, as in, so like from, from me or from other people, as Both. in like, have I yeah. been, have were, I been were offered ever, other things? Were, or? You, were you ever, yeah, I mean, that, that classic thing of, yeah, we mentioned it in the first podcast is, um, you know, if you have something to fall back on, yeah. you're going to fall back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have a you shit know? job that you didn't want to do? That's essentially what I was trying to ask. That's what roundabout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think Tim is getting more and more frustrated as we do these because he's the only one who's had to do like like window cleaning service. Oh, yeah. Working in an office. Yeah. Working, working in an office. In a bar. And working in a bar. Basically, he's very old and he's done a lot of I'm things. not very old. And... <laughs> Can we get rid of the very, please? <laughs> basically, he's old yeah. and he's done many things. And that's great and I respect him greatly for that. But basically, yeah, he's just getting annoyed that all our guests have just like, okay. known exactly what they were doing and then got straight into it. Okay. Cheers, buddy. You get it. You um, understand. Well, I'll, I'll say... So no, I'm, I'm going to say something in, in a pro-Tim corner. Okay. Uh, that actually means that when he comes to, say, have his own house or be responsible for his own household, he'll be more skilled than quite a lot of people. <laughs> you think that would be true? 
<laughs> well, I'm just I'm just trying to back you up. You know, yeah, that's all I'm saying. You're kind of giving up on it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm I am very much. I very much admire people who have done that because it means that they have extra drive. If you are, if you have worked so hard to get to a thing, but not reaped any rewards until say like 10, 15, 20 years down the line. And you've had to kind of not struggle to get there, but you have to go through this little windy roundabout kind of path. And you just, at various points, you kind of go, I'm just not going to get, what is the point of this anymore? But you just Mm. keep persevering that builds so much more love and warmth, I think, for whatever you end up doing or the yeah. path that you're trying to to build for yourself. And I feel like there are there's there's a lot to be said about about that doing like doing the shit jobs. Yeah. Because it does give you leverage. It's like yeah. it's a little bit like, I suppose, working in function bands and yes. things like that. Yeah. You have to like every once in a while you you do even if you go out and you're with a PA company or whatever and you do the functions and you do the corporates and mm. it's a lot of sitting around or it's really long days or you know you, especially with certain function shows you don't really get you don't really get fed properly you don't mm. really get anything and people want a lot from you for not very much money mm. but they are higher paid so yeah. you do those jobs which are pretty shit sometimes a lot of the time especially if there's a miscommunication Mm. between either um the people that have booked you and like the dj or you know if Mm. there's any issues within that Mm. and then there's drama and that you have to kind of sort out or you know things breaking and and working with with crap equipment Mm. anything like that like you do those shows for more money which then gives you leverage to then do what you want Mm. to do which gives you that um, that flexibility to work with original bands if you want to, mm. because you know that original bands and original music don't have any money in it initially. Mm. You have to do it out of love, otherwise, mm. there's no point in doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot to be said for a path that is that has not been as smooth as just going from mm. one straight into another. Um, I am lucky enough to have gone from coming out of uni working in like I but I worked all the way through uni. Yeah. I did. I was I I was always in bars and pubs and stuff. Yeah. Um I did do some hospitality like I, I worked Leeds Festival a couple of times mm. like as bar staff. Yeah. Um and as much as that sounds really cool you do, I mean it's it sounds great. And I hear these competitions and stuff on yeah. on well-known radio yeah. broadcasting stations mm. that are like oh you get to win tickets to to work at uh, Reading Festival or Leeds Festival or oh you could work it you know one big weekend and all this kind of and it's like alright cool yeah wicked or you can volunteer to be part of our team mm. so alright cool and everyone's like oh yeah I get free into a festival it it genuinely that's completely rose tinted because mm. everybody who's worked a festival knows that they're awful yeah. everybody <laughs> no, like I, I've you're, done it. you're did... stood there you don't actually see any of the bands that you want mm. you don't actually see um, or do anything that you particularly you don't get much time to do mm. the actual festival part of it yeah. and when you do you can't get drunk really because mm-hmm. you've got, a shift you've got your hours. shift or if you do so like when we were on the bars we were doing so we had um, the cider tent the the vodka relentless tent mm. which was dangerous <laughs> and um, and the VIP bars so like cocktails and you know the, yeah. the, the, the collar kind of stuff 
and and it was I mean it was brilliant don't get me wrong it was great and the people but it's the people that you work with that make those festivals okay and that make it manageable and so within the realms of building to where I am now like I have also done the shit jobs but just the shit jobs of the music industry (laughs) to get to sort of being vaguely comfortable in venues and yeah there are i mean there are obviously like the perks of working with pa companies and stuff like that like if you're doing a festival nine times out of ten you are put up in a hotel because there's quite a few of you or if you're on a long kind of four or five day you will be treated or you know you will have to maybe spend a little bit of money or yeah you can buy snacks and stuff for yourself so you do kind of spend money but the majority of it is all paid for so you you do get a bit of a lap of luxury but you're not doing it because you're trying to enjoy yourself, you're doing it to earn the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that respect, I'm really lucky that I've come out of uni from being in bar jobs and working festivals and doing stage management for no money and all this mm. kind of stuff. But it's all been centred around some form of music industry. So yeah. whether it be production, stage management, performance, mm-hmm. yeah. tech, liaison, even like getting runners and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, like being a rep or yeah. things like that. They've all been centred around the industry. Mm. Uh, but don't get me wrong, I've been like, I used to work in Sainsbury's and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So, it, you know, it, 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 does, it does all come about, but yeah. it, it makes you who you are as well when it comes to sure. stuff like that because you've, you've worked for it, you've done, you've done the shit jobs, but you also know what you're worth then. Yeah, I think it also gives you that kind of like, I'm not doing this again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you've been there. You know, that's what I mean. You know yeah. what you're worth. Like you're like, if someone says to you, Oh, will you stage manage this? And Oh, will you, Oh, you know, can you do as a favor? And you're like, I don't want to sound like an ass, but am I going to be paid for it? Because mm. you're asking me because you know, I know how to do it. Yeah. So yeah. now are you going to pay me? Yeah. And it's not that I would do, but then again, you come up to the question of, are you going to pay me? Oh, we, we've only got, you know, 30 quid for about 50 quid for a budget and then you've got the thing of right okay well do you do it for free because then it's a favor and they owe you one and you're not undercutting anyone else Mm -hmm. or do you take the 50 quid but actually you're undermining yourself and undercutting someone else Mm. so there's sort of like this un untalked about almost union between mm. sound engineers yeah. or I'd like to think there is and I think yeah. there is because no one wants to work for less uh-huh. no one wants to be like that guy that mm. comes in and just goes oh I'd do it for 20 quid because mm. I just want the experience and 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 then someone just goes right okay and then they're walking around mm. kind of two years later going oh I've been working like this for years and and, and you know been I've been like that for years yeah 20 quid a gig exactly <laughs> and but then you've got those people going around being kind of backline techs or mm. whatever and they're pushing actual backline techs out of jobs yeah. so I've had touring engineers coming in mm-hmm. and backline techs coming in saying that well we've got guys out on the road like I can't do I've got a family I can't do tech for less than a day rate mm-hmm. and I'm like you shouldn't need to why 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 should you need to and then they're like well because we've got people coming in younger guys more agile guys who'll go I'll do it for 80 or mm-hmm. whatever you know mm-hmm. they'll but they'll completely undercut and they don't think about the industry and the impact that it's having yeah. because they're thinking in a really selfish way mm. and it's that that's the danger of people going into a job and just kind of be like, oh, I've sort of stumbled into this. Oh, I'm in this. Or, oh, yeah, I've gone yeah, straight yeah. into a job. Because they've gone straight in, but they've gone straight in with the wrong terms sometimes. Obviously not all the time. But they've gone in going, right, I want to do this. And that's me. Mm-hmm. And I will, yeah, I'll do it for that because I want to do it. But they're not 
considering anyone else who's been in the industry a hell of a lot longer, mm-hmm. who's done the rounds, who's who's gotten the experience. And what you're paying for is the experience. Yeah, so in a couple of my old jobs, so my old jobs, I still kind of work in various places, but in a couple of them, they're like, um, they stopped having an engineer for a while because nothing went wrong. oh dear so Uh, so you can just from that reaction you can kind of go okay yeah cool um and my argument was it was i was like okay cool um yeah i mean that's that's fair enough that you that you you feel that that's the case um i mean i will say the reason i'm here is because that's my job is to make sure that everything goes really smoothly and then they kind of go Oh, but, yeah, but everything does go really smooth and it's just kind of, you know, um, so we'll just try it without for a little while and see, see, you know, how it goes. So I've just kind of gone, yeah, all right, okay, fine. Not all the time just thinking, that's why you're paying me. Yeah. Like the whole reason, the whole point, this, I mean, the untold uniform of an mm. engineer is because you have to be invisible yeah. at all times. So we're always in black. Mm. or at least grayscale you know it's like you don't really there's there's like not that. that many there's not that many engineers that will go to work say mm. in like a red t-shirt mm. or like it's it's just it's not even like anything that anyone has ever said i go full white tuxedo personally it, do, do, i mean do you know what if i could get away with it i would um little pencil skirt yeah, yeah, yeah. no um but it, but it is it's that it's that unwritten rule of you know engineers were black but equally you blend into the background especially from theatre backgrounds as well because I, I don't know a few of us have come from theatres mm. um, you have to be invisible yeah and the whole point is you can and everyone knows it every engineer knows it at a show the engineer is completely um, almost it, it, it is just invisible mm-hmm. until something goes wrong mm. so no one appreciates the engineer while the show's happening as soon as something goes wrong, everyone turns around and looks at the engineer. Nine times out of ten, it's not the engineer's fault. It's mm. like the, the guitar on stage that's too close to his amp. Mm. Or it's like, you know, a pedal that they've hit, like three of them at the same time, and it's a boost and a, and a muff and a drive and a whatever, and then it just goes, everyone. And it's nothing to do with you. But as soon as something happens that's mm. a bit weird, it's your fault. It's like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. You didn't even know I was here five minutes ago. So, like... <laughs> don't be doing this so it's it's that kind of thing but it is the that's how that's sort of my my drive on it anyway is that the people coming through who go straight into a job do get that kind of mentality where they they don't necessarily have to work for it or they haven't done the shit jobs Mm -hmm. so they know how lucky they are yeah and equally though they are the inexperienced ones Mm. who are undercutting other people so Again, I say as a disclaimer, not everyone, but my from my experience over uh, over a number of years, mm. the people who are coming in, who are going straight in, are doing it because people can get them from cheap. Mm. And you know, you have to if you work your way round, then everybody. And it's always a thing as well as if you don't know anyone else in the industry, like every all all the engineers or all the whoever's all the people in kind of the music industry. We all sort of know each other or we know each other by proxy or we'll have heard names. Mm. So if you're going straight into a job and you're like, oh, well, I've done this, this and this, or oh, I've worked with X. It's like, okay, well, who else have you worked with? So you can kind of, anyone that they are talking to 
will gauge their experience purely by the fact if they have or haven't heard of them before mm. or who they've worked with. Mm. So it's it's a really good little gauge to kind of... Yeah. I know I've gone a little bit off tangent, but... No, 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 this is fine. This is, uh, but it is, it is something that really worries me because it does... It, stuff like that is killing the industry mm. and it's killing the people who've been working, like some of the techs, like some of the guitar techs, are just incredible. And there's MIDI techs now as well mm. because yeah. there's so much yeah, electronic yeah. stuff going on. Like that... that knowledge is i mean like i'm okay i can set a few things up but the knowledge that a midi tech for a band like clean bandit or Mm -hmm. you know any kind of just purely electronic act is just incredible Mm. and if anyone kind of kicked if if someone said oh yeah i'll do that for 80 quid like do you know it it just it would completely rile me even though it's nothing that i would do it is so niche and specialist Mm. that i don't think anyone should go in and be like that of that mentality that, oh yeah, I'll say yes and then learn it later. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a certain degree of that anyway to to the job and to being in the industry. But for that to be the first jump mm, yeah. is is too big of a jump in my head. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah. It's, it's something that we've definitely decided we need to have a completely separate podcast about is uh, not just being freelance, but working in the industry and... I don't know whether ethics is the right word, but the ethics of working in this industry. The community, maybe. So, yeah, yeah. it's definitely something we want to dial in and really, really get deep on. But yeah, uh, yeah. that's definitely for uh, another time. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 don't apologise. <laughs> to get a rent. No, this no, is no, why no, we want this completely... podcast. We want these discussions yeah, to come yeah. out. With this. this is yeah. exactly why we do this podcast. Yeah. Cool. I think we're going to leave that there for part one. I hope you've enjoyed it. The cinder's lovely. Uh, effervescent as always um there's just two notes that i wanted to make um two names that lucinda mentioned as reasons why she got into music production uh john feldman and mike Patton. they're both music producers um john feldman's work with panic and disco um all time low and blink 182 and mike Patton has worked with bands like sepultura uh dillinger escape plan and faith no more um Lucinda definitely identifies with more of the alternative scene, so I can definitely understand why she's chosen those producers as uh, inspirations for her production career. Next episode is going to come out really, really soon, and uh, I'll uh, see you there. Bye.